If you'll open your Bibles tonight to the book of Numbers, we'll shift the gear now and try to get into the Bible study mode and thinking about what we've been thinking about for the last few Wednesday nights, and that is the children of Israel have left Egypt. They've been in Egyptian bondage as a nation for 430 years. Finally, at just the right time, God delivers them out of that bondage through Moses and through the Passover lamb and the blood that was placed over and around those doorposts. They came out of Egyptian bondage on their way to the promised land. And as I've said multiple times in our little study here, the promised land does not represent heaven. The promised land represents the victorious, abundant life that God has for us right here and right now. It is, spiritually speaking, a land flowing with milk and honey, where there's joy and peace, where there's contentment, where there's appreciation and gratefulness to God for all that he's done. But as we have seen, between Egyptian bondage and the promised land, there's this big wilderness that the Israelites had to pass through. It should have taken 11 days. It ended up taking 40 years. An entire generation died in the wilderness because they did not trust God. They complained about everything to God and to Moses, their leader. And so God did not let them enter into the promised land. And it says to us that the requirement, the prerequisite for living in the promised land is faith. Believing God, trusting God, knowing that he is in control and that he will work all things together for his good and for for our good and for his glory if we will trust him to do that. So we have to have faith to get to the promised land. Most of these people had no faith. They died in the wilderness, and only Joshua and Caleb from that generation and their offspring ended up going into the promised land. And so tonight, we're thinking along these lines. The title of the message is, We Should Not Crave Things That We Don't Have. We shouldn't crave things that we don't have. You know, when we think about the Ten Commandments, we think about don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal. No other gods, no graven image. Remember the Sabbath. Honor your father and your mother. Don't lie. But so many times we forget that tenth commandment, thou shalt not covet. In other words, don't desire something that you don't have. And many times in the wilderness, that's what happens. Because in the wilderness, and many of you tonight are probably in a wilderness season of your life, it's kind of that in-between place. It's in-between your salvation and the victorious life, the overcoming life. And as we saw last week, many times in the wilderness, we complain, we doubt, we question. And many times, as we're going to see tonight, we're guilty of craving things that we don't have. That could be a relationship. That could be a new job. That could be more money. That could be a newer home, bigger home. Could be a new car. Could be a bigger television. Be a lot of things, but many times in the wilderness, instead of simply being satisfied with what God has given us, we crave something that we don't have. Now, in, in Numbers chapter 11, let's look in verse 5 and see what it is the children of Israel were craving. What were they wanting? Verse 5, they said this now uh, to Moses, we remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. 
the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. They're talking about all this delicious food that they had when they were in Egypt. Verse 6, but now our whole being is dried up. There's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. In other words, the only thing we have is this manna. Well, the problem with complaining about the manna was simply this. The manna was what God had given them to eat. The manna was the bread of heaven. It was angels' food, and we read that in the Psalms. And so they have the manna. God's given them the manna. That's what he wanted them to have. And yet, instead of being satisfied with that manna, they were craving something that they did not have. It says there's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now look in verse 13. So now they've said this to Moses. Now Moses is talking to God, and Moses is completely frustrated with the situation. And in verse 13, Moses says, where am I to get meat to give all these people? And so the people had been asking Moses for meat. We have the bread. Now we need the meat. Where am I to get bread or get meat to give to all these people? For they weep all over me saying, give us meat that we may eat. And you can hear them in the wilderness now. Use your imagination. You can hear all these Jewish people on their way to the promised land, out of the bondage, should have been singing and thanking God for bringing them out and leading them in. But instead of doing that, what are they doing? They're complaining and they're saying, we want meat, Moses. We need meat to eat. Nobody just eats bread. We need some protein. We need some meat to eat. And that's what they're asking for. Now, when we come down to verse 31, we read what God does. Now, God is in heaven. God's listening to all this. And so God is responding now. And it says in verse 31, Now a wind went out from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp about a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp, and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. And the people stayed up all that day, all night, and all the next day, and gathered the quail. He who gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. So now they've got all this meat that they can eat. But look at verse 33. But while the meat was still between their teeth, they haven't even digested this meat yet, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. So he called the name of that place Kibroth Hatava, because there they buried the people who had yielded to craving. What what happened here? They're in the wilderness. They're in that in-between place. Instead of being satisfied with God and with the provision that he had given them, they're craving something not only that they didn't have, they're craving something that God did not intend to give them. And yet, after a while, all their complaining, all their crying, all their you know, begging got God's attention. And God basically said... If you want quail, I'm going to give you quail. But it's not going to satisfy you like you think that it would. Now, if you have your notes tonight on your outline, I want to just mention a couple of things here as we think about this and as we think about our own lives. For us, it's not quail. I know a lot of people here tonight actually do eat quail, and it is delicious. 
But I know for our purposes tonight, the thing that we would crave would not be along these lines of food. It would be something else in our day and in our time. But just jot this down in your outline tonight. I've already said it, but I want you to see it. And that is we should not crave things that we don't have. Because it's, it, it's, it's not being satisfied with what God has giving, given us. And it is, again, the sin of coveting. So we shouldn't crave things we don't have. The second thing I would say is this. If God gives us what he never intended for us to have, what he gives us won't satisfy us. You know, sometimes in life we do ask God to give. This is like in, in my life. I mean, this is all of us have desires for things. Uh, it's just, that's just human being. And sometimes the desire is from God. Sometimes God might put that desire in your heart for a new house or a new car or a better job or whatever. So not all desires are bad, but when those desires begin to dominate our lives and we begin to crave those things instead of simply desiring those things, and then instead of praying to God and saying, God, this is my desire But if it is not your will, I don't want this to happen. Instead of praying it like that, it's almost like we go to God like he is a a vending machine and we make our demands and we say, God, this is what I want. This is what I'm craving. And God, you've got to give it to me. Now, we wouldn't say you've got to give it to me, but we're not softening it up. Many times I pray for things, whatever it might be. But at the end of it, I always say, But God, if it's not your will, I'm not saying I always, but that's my heart. God, if it's not your will, I don't want it. I mean, I don't want anything in my life that God doesn't want me to have. But these people didn't have that spirit. They were just demanding that God would give give it to them, and he gave it to them, but it did not satisfy them. Have Have you noticed in your life, maybe you wanted something, and you bought it, and you brought it home, and after you brought it home, uh, after a while, it didn't satisfy you anymore. Maybe a, a, a new electronic piece, or, or I was thinking today in my own life about things like that that I, have, that I have wanted, and I just thought, I've got to have that, and I got it, and then I look back and I say, what was I thinking? Why did I want that? Why did I buy that? Why, do I, why did I think I needed that? Because it's, it's serving me no good purpose now, and that's how it is. Many times in life, look, The things that God gives us that he wants us to have will satisfy us. But the things that God gives us because we keep demanding it, and finally God just says, that's what you want, that's what you think you need, I'm going to let you have it. But once you get it, you're going to discover something. It's not going to satisfy you like you think it is. And that's what they experienced with this quail. While it was still in their mouth, it was still between their teeth. It says that uh, it it basically, uh, the wrath of the Lord broke out against them. And finally, they ate so much quail, read another place, that they they just lost its taste for them altogether. But then look at the third thing, because this is what's super interesting to me. Not only does the quail not satisfy us, but look at number three. If God gives us what he never intended for us to have, not only will what he gives us not satisfy us, but it will also be spiritually detrimental to us. Now think about that. It's one thing to go buy something that you just craved and you get it home and you think, well, this is a disappointment. 
This is not what I thought it would be. That's one thing. But this next thing I'm saying is worse than that. Not only will it not satisfy us, but it will be spiritually detrimental. Again, these people who craved it in the wilderness, they ended up dying. And they were buried, and the name of the place translated into English was graves of craving. Graves of craving. They, they craved it, they got it, and it didn't satisfy them, but it also cost them their life. Now, that said, turn to the book of Psalms, and in, Psalm, in Psalms, go to Psalm 106, because this is an interesting little passage that refers back to what we're looking at tonight in Numbers, and you may never have noticed this passage, but look back in Psalm 106, beginning in verse 13. Let me let you find that. I want you to mark this in your Bible. Psalm 106 and verse number 13. They soon forgot God's works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. They lusted for meat to eat and tested God in the desert. Now look at verse 15. This is one of the greatest verses in all the Old Testament about what we're talking about tonight. And he gave them their request but sent leanness into their soul. He gave them what they asked for. Did you know there can come a point in life when you can ask God for something for so long, even though it's not his will for you to have it, that God may say, you know what? That's what you want. That's what you think you need. That's what you won't quit lusting for and craving after. That, that's, what, that's what you really think it's all about. All right, I'm going to give it to you. And he does. And, and while it's still in our mouth, as it were, we find out it's not satisfying like we thought it would be. But worse than that, it is spiritually detrimental. Psalm 106 and verse 15, and I do think the, living, the, the New King James says it the best here. He gave them their request but sent leanness into their soul. Some of the translations talk about a wasting disease. That's good. But this thing here I like, but sent leanness into their soul. What do we learn from that? We learn that unless God wants us to have something, we're better off without it. And so I encourage you tonight, I mean, again, we all have desires. It's, it's nor- Just like last week I said, we all complain sometimes. It's human. We have to work at that and ask God to help us with that. We all have desires. Sometimes those desires are really strong. And we ha- but sometimes those desires turns in, turn into lust and craving, and we think, if I just had that, then I would be satisfied, and then I would be okay. And God says it's an illusion. Remember this about the devil. Of all his bad qualities, he's a murderer, he's a thief. Of all the bad qualities the devil has, and all of his qualities are bad, remember this, he is the deceiver. And since he came on the scene in Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden, there with Adam and Eve in that beautiful garden where God had said to them, you see all these beautiful trees, these fruit trees in this garden? You can have all the fruit from all the trees that you want to have except this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat from that tree, it's not going to be good. In the day that you eat of it, you will die. And they did die. They didn't die physically that day. They died immediately in their spirit. And they began to die progressively in their bodies 
But death entered the human race when they did that. But how did that all happen? Because here's the deceiver. And what's he doing? Whatever that fruit might have been, an apple or an orange or a peach or whatever it might have been. What is, that, what is the deceiver doing? He's just dangling that in front of them. And he's saying, this is what you need. And they looked at it and they began to crave it and they began to lust for it. And they began to think, man, if we had that, then we would be satisfied. And they ate that and they found out that not only were they not satisfied, they found out now They had leanness in their soul. It had worked in reverse. And that's how it is today. When you crave something that God doesn't want you to have, it may may be, as we read here in Psalm 106, that God actually gives it to you. It's not just that you took it. It's not just that somebody, it's that actually God gave it to you. And God gave it to you as his way of saying, that's what you want. And if that's what you want and you won't stop off, I'm going to just give it to you. But it doesn't satisfy and it brings leanness into our soul. Friend, think about this. Whatever it is in life that we might be craving. Now think about this. Here's the question you have to ask yourself. Would you rather have that thing and a spiritual drought to go with it? Or would you rather do without that thing and be spiritually full and spiritually satisfied? I encourage you, in the wilderness, it's easier to teach this than it is to live this. But try your best not to crave things that you don't have. Try to be satisfied with what you do have. And just know that in time, whatever God wants you to have, when he gives it to you, it's going to be good for you. You know, there's a verse in Proverbs that said, the Lord's, the Lord's blessing makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. That doesn't mean we're all going to be multimillionaires, but the, Lord, the Lord's blessing, there's a sense in which it makes us rich in that particular area of our life, but it adds no sorrow with it. Whereas if we go out and get things, or even if God gives us things that he really never originally intended for us to have, it will add sorrow with it, and we'll regret the day we ate the quail, or we ate the fruit, or we made the purchase, or we made the move, or we did the thing, or whatever it was that we thought we needed when God knew we didn't need it. And so tonight, I encourage you, don't crave what you don't have. Be satisfied with what you do have. Amen? And so with our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, would you ask God to help you in that in-between place. That, the wilderness is a tough place to be. It's a difficult place to live. Would you ask God in that wilderness where he only intends for you to be for about 11 days, not for 40 years, that he would teach you to trust him. That he would teach you to trust him. So that you could move right in to the promised land, and once there, experience what God wants you to have and not what you thought you just couldn't live without. Well, Father, tonight it's a simple sermon and and super simple, and yet it's super relevant and relatable to all of us on one level or another. God, help us not to crave what we don't have, but to be content with what 
we do have. Now, with our head bowed and eyes closed, there may be some here tonight, and you, you've never been saved. And as I said two weeks ago, we saw four people saved on a Wednesday night. And here you are, and God's brought you to this service, and you say, man, this was good for me tonight because I'm in the wilderness. Well, you know what? The greatest discovery that you could find in the wilderness or that you could make in the wilderness is to, is to realize how desperately you need God. You need Christ in your life. And if you'll ask him to forgive you of your sins and, and take those sins away and help you not to commit those sins anymore, none of us are perfect, but if that's the desire of your heart, and if you'll ask Christ to save you, he'll do that tonight. All around the room tonight, if you're not sure that you're saved, just pray this prayer silently from your heart to the heart of God. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. And I trust you to do it. I trust you, Lord. Welcome to my heart. Make me the person you want me to be.